0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we are talking about estate planning and what to be thinking about that during the COVID-19 crisis. So by the time that we're done today, you are going to know more about estate planning and how it works, and some about how taxes can impact your estate plan and how having a good financial plan in place can really help support the health of your estate plan. All important things. One of the things that I want to make sure you understand is really what estate planning is. And when you think about estate planning itself, estate planning has to do with your stuff. Now, one of the things that is interesting about estate planning is you would think, especially the more money that you have, that you would be more concerned about getting this taken care of. But throughout our podcast today, we're gonna be talking about Prince and how his estate planning wasn't done the way that it should have been and ultimately what the ramifications of that is. So unfortunately, we're using him as an example of what not to do. But let's get started. So what is an estate? When we hear the word estate, most people think that it's about their stuff and that in reality is true. This could be your house, your car, things like that. But what else can be included in your estate? Well, in your estate, it could be your boat or jewelry or a timeshare or your retirement funds, qualified accounts like a 401k or your IRAs, or non-qualified monies like money markets or bank accounts. It often can include business interests for people. So in reality... Your estate includes all of the assets and the wealth that you have accumulated during your lifetime, however modest or however vast that might be. So now that we've clarified what an estate includes, then let's talk a little bit about estate planning. What does that actually mean? Estate planning really is a way of making sure that all of what we have accumulated gets where we want it to go. And estate planning involves planning how your assets will be preserved, managed, and distributed after you die. It also takes into account the management of your properties and any financial obligations that you have in the event that you become incapacitated. So in a nutshell, estate planning is leaving what you want, when you want, to whom you want, and in the manner you want, as tax efficiently as possible. So basically, what we're thinking about is what happens to all of our stuff when we die. Now you may be thinking if you're young and healthy that you have plenty of time to do this later and the estate planning can wait, but things don't always work out the way that they're supposed to and as it turns out, estate planning is a whole lot more than just what happens once you're gone. For example, you could become incapacitated, meaning that you don't have the mental, physical, Wherewithal to take care of your own situations could be to an accident. It could be to an illness. And that's why we're talking about this right now in the midst of a pandemic, because illnesses are creating situations where previously healthy people are no longer able to take care of their affairs. Now take Prince, for example, as you may recall, he passed away unexpectedly in 2016. He was only 57 and believe it or not, Prince had not done any estate planning prior to his death. He didn't even have a will. And as a result, things have gotten very, very messy. So we've talked about what the estate is and what estate planning actually is. So what all is involved with that? So there are some common components that are involved when it comes to estate planning. And the first two, the first main legal document that you wanna have is your will. The will is a written document that's gonna state who you want your estate to go to, who's going to handle your estate, and if you have any young children that need to be taken care of, how you want guardianship to be handled. You also may have heard of a revocable trust, and a revocable trust is sometimes used for people who have larger estates that need more fine-tuning with their planning than what the will can actually do. When you pass away, anything that goes through your will is going to go through probate, and that is public information, and the executor, so whoever you appoint in your will as the executor, is the one that's going to help move things through that process. Conversely, if you have that living trust, that is something that avoids probate, it keeps it private, and whoever is the trustee of the living trust once you pass away is who's gonna help manage that information all the way through the estate planning process. Okay, so. The next document is a financial power of attorney, also known as a durable power of attorney. And really what this does is allow someone to temporarily pitch hit for you to handle your affairs should you be able, I'm sorry, unable to do so. So basically this appoints a person to act on your behalf in all of your financial matters when you can't do it yourself. So it could be as simple as things like paying your bills, forwarding the mail, filing the tax return, things that need to get done Especially if you can't do them yourself. Another legal document that we feel is very important is a healthcare power of attorney. Now, this is a little bit more broad than the actual living will, but the living will, sometimes called an advanced directive, is more about the pull the plug, don't pull the plug. And the healthcare power of attorney is really more about making sure that someone is going to be making decisions for you if you're unable medically to make them yourselves. And this is probably one of the most important things right now that you have on hand. Because if something should happen and all of a sudden you have to be hospitalized, you have to be put on a ventilator, you can't take care of your own affairs, you want the right people on your team making those decisions for you. Now, assets can transfer at death in a variety of ways, and we've already talked a little bit about how that works with a will and how that works with a revocable living trust. But some assets can simply be passed on to the right people if you have a beneficiary designation listed and a beneficiary designation just means who's going to get your stuff when you are not able to handle that yourself so beneficiaries have a couple different ways that they work that i want to talk about first of all a primary beneficiary is who gets your stuff when you're dead and a contingent beneficiary only gets something if you and your primary beneficiaries are all dead. But what most people don't understand about a beneficiary designation is that there's really two different ways that you can line this up, and it's really important to get it right. So the first way to designate your beneficiaries is called stirpes, and what that means basically is by bloodline. For many people, this is the preferred way to do it. The other way to do it is something that's called per capita. And per capita means that when you list people, their share goes to them, and if they're not there, their share goes split between the other people that you have listed. So per stir pays follows it down the bloodline. What I mean by that is this, let's say that you have a person who has three children, and when the person dies, one of the children is already dead. Well, in a per stir pace, that deceased child's share would go on down to their children. So it follows the bloodline from a child down to a grandchild. Per capita does something completely different. Per capita says you have three children. One of your children is deceased. Then your other two children split the entire estate. Nothing goes down to the grandchildren. So you have to really understand what you're doing when it comes to per surface or per capita, because you don't want to accidentally disinherit a grandchild that you had intended to help cover or provide more money to someone that you didn't really want them to get that. (laughs) So that's kind of something important to understand when it comes to estate planning. Now, there's another thing that can happen when you're trying to pass assets around at death, and that has to do with the account titling or the ownership. And sometimes it makes sense to title an asset in a way that makes the transfer quicker and easier. So one way to set up your accounts is called joint tenants with rights of survivorship. And that means if one owner dies, the other owner automatically gets full ownership of the entire account. So this could be a surviving spouse or a child, anyone you choose, it doesn't really matter. Whoever is the joint owner with rights of survivorship now becomes the full owner and there's no probate process involved. Another way to do that is called a payable on death or a transfer on death designation. And this is frequently used for things like bank accounts or CDs. So you make this arrangement directly with the bank and it means the money will immediately transfer to the person you designate. When you die. Now, the final piece of asset titling that you have to understand is joint tenants. If it's not with rights of survivorship, if it's just joint tenants, then it would ha- have to go through probate it doesn't give that survivor access to 100% of that asset. Just a straight joint tenants can be a very dicey situation. So you wanna make sure that if you have listed something that's just joint tenants, you understand that whoever passes away, their share is still gonna go through probate and their share is not going to pass to the person who's the other owner of that asset, it's going to pass through whatever will or other directives they have in place. That might not be what you want and we see sometimes that trip people up when they're trying to handle the estate of someone because it wasn't quite set up right. So get really clear about how you've actually titled those assets to make sure that what is happening is exactly what you want to happen. (music)
0: Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors.
1: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, where we've been talking about estate planning and how that's really critically important now during this COVID-19 crisis. Now, when we talked about using Prince as an example. And when Prince died, he didn't have any of the documentation that I discussed in the first half of this show. So as a result, he didn't get to choose his heirs or his beneficiaries. So not only does that mean his loved ones and favorite causes weren't designated by him, but it also took 13 months, so more than a year, for a probate judge to determine who his beneficiaries would be. And to further complicate things, since Prince died in 2016, one of the court designated heirs who has also died within his own will, giving 90% of the portion of the Prince estate to a non-family member. So you have this trickle-down effect that's happened that somebody who probably inherited something now has died and is giving it to somebody else, but yet the whole thing has never gotten cleared up at the point of origin. So it's really just kind of a dramatic situation that could have been cleaned up with some good estate planning. So the moral of this story is don't be like Prince. (laughs) Now you might think it does take a lot of time and effort to get your estate plan in order, And while it does take some thought and some time, a good attorney will guide you through the process of getting those documents ready. And a good financial planner is going to collaborate with your attorney to make sure that all the beneficiary designations and all of the correct documentations are lined up so that your estate planning and your financial planning are properly aligned. And that is something that's truly very important. Now, what we've covered so far is an overview of the legal estate planning. So the ability to leave what you want, when you want, to whom you want, and in the manner you want. But that last piece of it was to do it as tax efficiently as possible. You might be thinking that taxes are unavoidable, especially upon your passing. But the truth of the matter is that there are some simple and inexpensive ways to ensure assets can transfer as tax efficiently as possible, meaning to your surviving spouses, your descendants, your heirs, the causes that are important to you, and so that they receive as much of your accumulated wealth as possible. What you may not realize is that when it comes to taxes, there's a completely separate tax system out there apart from the normal income tax system that you might be used to. And the other system is called the estate and the gift tax system. So the taxes we incur during our working years are mostly income taxes. The taxes we incur during our retirement years are on our assets that we've accumulated and are now spending. But that third piece of it, the taxes that occur during the estate transfer process is something that for a lot of people is kind of unknown. And there's actually five types of taxes to be aware of during the estate transfer phase. They might not all apply to you, but together that's what makes up this estate and gift tax system. So the first and most obvious one is the federal and the state tax- taxes. So some states have an estate tax in fact there's 16 different states that have their own estate tax and the estate taxes at both the federal and state level are based on the overall value of the deceased person's estate so for one thing you're going to want to visit with someone about what the estate tax rules are in your particular state Estate taxes are undoubtedly going to be a big piece of Prince's legacy. Now, as of now, in 2020 August, over four years after his death, Prince's estate is still not settled. And not only is it not settled, it hasn't even had its final valuation done yet. (laughs) And so nothing can actually happen until the value of his estate is established because that's what the tax bill is going to be based on. Now, The interesting thing about estate taxes is there are some different limits. So if you're an individual, you can pass up to $11,580,000 down to someone without federal estate taxes. And if you're married, you can pass over $23 million to someone. Anything that's below that have what's called an exclusion on them, and they're not taxed. So for most people listening, you're not really going to have a huge issue in terms of estate taxes. But one of the things to keep in mind is that there is a sunset provision on this, which means in 2026, it reverts down to a $6 million estate tax exclusion. So if you are someone whose estate is flirting within those limits and you're thinking you might have to pay some estate taxes, for sure you need to be aware of that sunset provision because it is going to be an issue. The next type of tax to be aware of is called state inheritance tax, which is different than state estate tax. State inheritance tax can happen in number of states and sometimes the state inheritance task is for everybody and sometimes it's only for certain types of descendants so for instance in iowa lineal descendants don't have an inheritance tax meaning if you are the child of someone you don't have an inheritance task or if you're the parent of somebody or grandparent but non-lineal meaning brothers and sisters or aunts and uncles are non-lineal those people would have some type of inheritance task in the state of Iowa so these inheritance taxes can surprise people and kind of reach out and grab you when you're when it's unexpected okay gift taxes are a little bit different from estate taxes and although they're part of the same estate and gift tax system they're assessed on the gifting of assets while you're still alive and so you can give about fifteen thousand dollars to someone per year when you're alive and that doesn't eat away at your estate tax exclusion but if you're giving away more than that then it certainly could There's another tax out there that's called a generation skipping tax. And this gets a little more complex, so we're not going to go into it much today. But essentially, it's the beneficiary of a trust or estate is one or more generation removed. So that's like going from a grandparent, skipping their children and leaving all the assets to grandchildren. And there's a special tax system wrapped around how that can get done. But back to our good old friend, the income tax, which nobody really likes when that one comes a callin'. What you may not realize is that beneficiaries can still be taxed on income when they receive property from the person who has passed away. So not only do you have some estate tax, but you can also have income tax. And the income tax that a beneficiary might have to pay is going to be totally dependent on the type of asset that they inherit. If it hasn't had taxes paid on it yet while you're alive, chances are your your beneficiary is going to have to pay the taxes once you're dead. There's also certain assets that just the gain is going to be taxed and certain assets that the entire value is going to be taxed. So, It just depends on the type of assets that you actually have in terms of what is going to be taxed. Now I don't want to have this be something that scares you because taxes just are. Taxes are something that are part of the American system and always have been, but part of estate planning as I said earlier is really to be able to transfer things as tax efficiently as possible. And in order to do that, you really have to understand what the tax ramifications are so you can set up your estate in the best way possible to minimize those taxes. Now, all of that estate planning comes down to one simple great secret about estate planning, though, that I wanna share with you, and that's this. Estate planning isn't worth the paper it's written on if there's nothing left. pass away. So estate planning does work hand in hand with financial planning because if you run out of money, if you don't have anything left to provide in your estate to somebody, then all this estate planning that you did really doesn't mean a hill of beans. So part of good estate planning is while you're alive, setting up your assets in such a way to try to help preserve the value of them So there is something there to pass down to the heirs, the beneficiaries, or to the causes that you actually feel passionate about. Now that's where financial planners come in. A good financial planner who's doing holistic planning with you is going to be looking at your assets. They're going to be looking at your accounts. They're going to be collaborating with your CPA and with your attorney to make sure that your estate is set up to be maximized while you're alive and then minimize the taxes when you pass away. So I encourage you all to reach out to us today to talk about your estate planning needs. Visit with one of our planners. We can certainly recommend good attorneys in many areas to help you with the actual legal side of it and those documents. But I hope that this has been really valuable to give you an overview of what good estate planning is comprised of. So as you're making your plans, you make sure you get all of your good ducks in a row. And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney, or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data. Rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.